Give us life. <clears throat> we ask for that life now. Amen. Our mission, folks, is to share hope through our community, with our community, through love and service. And I want to bring this in front of you again uh, so that we get this over and over again so that it's part of us, so that we can uh, use it in all of the things that we do in our community. So I want us to, uh, to have this, but before we can do this, before we are able to share hope with our community through love and service, to reach out, we must be able to take care of ourselves. That's our, our, our mission here is to share hope, to reach out. But before we can do that, we must look in, take care of what we have, of our mission team. Sometimes we overlook small things. For instance, in this case, uh, in this church, this building, uh, we have not had a a first aid kit in here as long as I can remember. I know you say that's an odd thing to bring up, but now we do have a first aid kit. It's been installed. We realize that we need a first aid kit in case somebody has a problem. So uh, a team met and we made the decision. Now we have a first aid kit near the bathroom. That is in the back of the church where the bathrooms are. Um, And we have a trauma kit. Uh, uh, Children, don't get in the first aid kit unless your parents uh, need to get in there for you. So just just FYI. We also have a trauma kit. Uh, Levi, would you get the trauma kit? It's right beside the the wastebasket there. There is the trauma kit. If anyone needs a tourniquet or anything else uh, to patch somebody up. Actually, we have trained individuals among us that can do that as well. Um, Again, kind of taking care of what we have here. Also, we now have a fire extinguisher. This one is in the kitchen by the popcorn machine if things get a little bit too hot in the kitchen. Um, We also have one in the foyer there below the bulletin board. Fire extinguisher in case a fire breaks out. Um, And we have another one here in the back, uh, right right back here through the door uh, beside the fly swatter. Um, so that, that's right here. I like this fly sweater. I'm going to use it in a little bit, actually. Uh, but the, the, um, elders wanted you to be aware of these, uh, fire extinguishers and first aid kits so that you know where they are in case something happens. We need to take care of what we have just as a mechanic takes care of his tools because that's how he earns a living just as a cook will not let someone use a metal spatula on her Teflon plan or his uh, to scratch it up. He takes care, uh, or she takes care of her tools. Now, our mission to share hope with our community through love and service. There's something else that we need to take care of before we are able to do this or as. And that is our marriage. We are going to build our marriages. Now, you all know my slide thingy quit working. Oh well, Levi, you'll have to help me out with that. We have to build our marriages. 
if you all uh, would think about uh, what it's like in your marriage, you know that if your marriage is not doing well, when there is conflict in your marriage, then you're not going, going to be real effective at reaching out, at uh, sharing hope with others. When things are difficult in our marriages, things are extra difficult in other places. And we want to build up marriages. This is our point. We want to build up our marriages so that as John Paul II, the Pope, says, as the family goes, so goes the nation, and so goes the whole world in which we live. A very <clears throat> wise saying. Our society it seems to be crumbling, or struggling at least, and we have the responsibility as a church to build up marriages. We have the blueprints for marriage in God's Word. It ain't easy. But with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can intentionally build our marriages and make an impact on our culture. Now, don't tune out just because you're single. Your role in building marriages is important. Listen, Paul wasn't married, but he had a lot of insights and advice to give about marriage, such as this from 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 26. Paul says, because of the present crisis, I think it is best for you to remain as you are which is unmarried, if, if you read before this, uh, Paul's addressing the question uh, that they're asking whether or not they should get married. And Paul looks around and he sees everything going on and he says, you know what, I think it's best that you remain unmarried. And maybe you're sitting in your seat now thinking, boy, years ago, if Paul would have got through to me with those words, <laughs> life would be so much easier. Uh, but, you know, uh, actually, uh, Proverbs 18, verses 22 says, The man who finds a wife finds treasure, and he receives favor from the Lord. Now, I have a treasure in my wife. And whew, some days, uh, the, the, the treasure, I feel like, needs to be shined because I have made it not so pretty, but my wife is amazing. And... I am so blessed by that, and I know you guys are as well. So Paul says, look, if you, don't get or if you do get married, it's not a sin. It's okay. And if a young woman gets married, it's not a sin. However, those who get married at this time will have troubles, and I am trying to spare you those problems. If Paul were here today, if he were to look at everything going on, all the nonsense around, do you think he would say, hmm, not a good idea to get married. I don't know. Maybe he would, maybe he wouldn't, but he's speaking to us right now, and he says, it's okay to get married, but you will have troubles. I don't have to tell you that. Everyone who's married knows that you will have troubles. So what in the world do we do? What do we do about these troubles? Well, my suggestion is the old ways work back to this fly swatter check this dude out like at first uh, a person might be tempted to 
when I came to this office here, I found this fly swatter. And a person might be tempted to, well, I need to go buy a, a new fly swatter because this one looks old and I want to get the newest, best thing. But as a matter of fact, this is a fly-killing dude right here. This has got real steel screen. This is nylon screen, the kind that the grasshoppers eat out in the summer on, their, on your window. This is real steel, and it's got the, the around surround part of it. looks like a feed sack that's been folded over and sewn with the same feed sack cotton string folded around a, a piece of wire. This may have been original handle. This thing is serious. It's old. I don't know. Maybe one of you guys made it. I think it's probably made more like in the 1930s. But um, this is a great fly sorter. It works. It's not new, and it's not fancy, and it doesn't look attractive. But this, this dude works. Uh, the old ways work. So what am I getting at? I'm getting at Scripture that has been given to us years and years ago. Ephesians 5.33 So I say again, each man must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Good old fashioned love and respect. Now why do you think he tells men to love and women to respect. My guess is that it's just not natural for a man to build his relationships on love. Now think about it, men. When you uh, meet a fella or you know a fella, uh, you meet him and you greet him with a handshake and you look him in the eye and there's, a, there's respect there if you've established a relationship. Uh, we wouldn't say there's love there. But uh, you respect that person. And you may not want to hang out with him. You may not want to do, uh, do fun things with him because you're different. But you respect him. And that's established. Um, there is respect there. Now, um, women, uh, I don't claim to be an expert on, on women. But, uh, you know, I, I feel like the, the, in your relationships, when you develop relationships with other women, it is a relationship of, of, of love, of built on love. You get close to one another. You get all huggy and, and, and you tell everything, you know, you, you spill the beans and um, about these things and you, you want to be like that. You know, my wife does this and she says, I want to be like this. And, you know, I, this is good, but <laughs> I think this is respect. Respect. And I think this is love. It's not natural uh, for a man to automatically love. It's natural for us to respect or to not respect, and it's not natural for a woman to automatically uh, respect. It, it's, it's unnatural. So when a wife does not feel loved, it will be very hard for her to show respect show that thing that is unnatural. When a husband does not feel respected, he will likely act in a way that does not communicate love because that would be somewhat unnatural. This is a generalization, generally speaking. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't cover everyone. But without love, she reacts without respect, and without respect, he 
reacts without love. And then bad things happen, right? You know this. There's arguing and there's insulting and there's disengaging. There's ignoring and there's temptation to seek other things to fulfill the desires for love or respect. Mothers tend to go after their kids to fulfill that love when they're not getting it from their husbands. Men uh, tend to generally go after things like work to get that respect when it's not provided to them from their wives. And, and it spirals down and it gets worse if they aren't able to gain it in those other places. They, they seek other relationships and those often lead to adultery and, well, we just need to do what works. The good old-fashioned love and respect. And when we don't, this cycle starts. This crazy cycle of marital nonsense. And it's not good for anyone but the devil. The devil is the only one that benefits from this crazy cycle of not loving and not respecting. Now, there's a, there's a book called Love and Respect. Uh, I encourage you to read it. A lot of good stuff in here. Uh, women can probably read it to your husbands. Um, it, there's a lot of good stuff here, though. Really. Um, it talks about the crazy cycle. And I want to show a two-minute video uh, about this crazy cycle that I think will help us. So. Meet Brad and Jessica. They've been married for a while now, and like many couples, they don't always see eye to eye. They love each other, but conflicts arise and small misunderstandings escalate into what seems like a never-ending back and forth. Soon they're feeling angry, hurt, and resentful. They sit alone and wonder, how did we get here? Welcome to the crazy cycle. We all know that we should love our spouse. But many of us are unaware of the specific needs that God has built into men and women. He created women with a deep longing to feel loved. And in men, he put a strong desire for respect. When a husband doesn't feel respected by his wife, he reacts in unloving ways. And when a wife doesn't feel loved, she responds without respect. It's the crazy cycle. Our needs aren't met, so we respond negatively, hoping somehow it will change our spouse for the better. And a loving relationship descends into strife and distrust. Fortunately, God shows us a way to resist this downward spiral. In Ephesians, husbands are commanded to love their wives and wives to respect their husbands. And just as Christ loves us unconditionally, we are to give love and respect at all times, whether we feel our spouse deserves it or not. As we put them first, we begin to recognize that their complaints are often a plea for love or respect. We trust that they are good-willed people, that even in moments of anger or selfishness, they want the marriage to flourish. This is how we end the crazy cycle, with a conscious commitment to love our wives, to respect our husbands no matter what. 
Brad and Jessica may not always see eye to eye, but they've broken out of the crazy cycle by living in accordance with God's good design. So what does your crazy cycle look like? Grant's ready to share. <laughs> Mine uh, starts with a ham bone. Jessica is making supper. And uh, she's cooking ham and beans, even though she doesn't particularly like ham and beans. But she's making them for me. And she feels like she's showing me love, uh, just trying to please me. She's expecting her love to be reciprocated, by the way, after she makes this pot of ham and beans with affection and praise. And so as she dishes me up a bowl of these ham and beans, I simply ask a question. I notice that the ham bone is not in the ham and beans. And I ask, hey, did you save the ham bone? Uh, for another pot of ham and beans next week. And my response to her dinner did not make her feel loved. In fact, it made her feel unloved. She responded quite disrespectfully, uh, thanking uh, that I was ungrateful for the beans that she made uh, since I was asking about a future pot of beans. And it spiraled into the crazy cycle from there. So, how do we break this cycle and show good old-fashioned love and respect? Three points today. How we break this cycle, show good old-fashioned love and respect. Be nice, work together, and remember who the enemy is. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well of all types of evil behavior. Look at these words. Bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander. Mm, Sounds like an argument between me and my wife. And then uh, all types of evil behavior. Get rid of it. (laughs) This is what comes after the Hambone incident. None of these words equal love or respect. Get rid of them. Instead, verse 32 says, instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, Forgiving one another just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Forgive one another. You know, we can sum this up. Watch your mouth. Be, it's better to be alone on a rooftop than with a nagging wife, right? That's the proverb. And You know, I don't want you to go and quote that, men. Because it goes for men, too. These things, these words, bitterness, rage, no one wants that in your relationship. 
And it, it feels like, man, if that's how my relationship is going to go, it's better for us to be separate, maybe still married and everything, but just not having anything to do with each other. It feels better. But look at this verse. Just as God through Christ has forgiven, forgiven you, be kind. You know, God, uh, through Jesus, forgives us. And how much more do we need to forgive each other? And we need to watch our mouths. First Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and He will grant you His blessing. Offer this blessing to your spouse. Instead of paying back, getting back at them, trying to teach them a lesson. And God has has called us to be nice to our wives. And it's a simple way of putting it but to be gracious and offer them a blessing. Uh, Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Don't just listen to defend yourself. Listen for the other person's hurt or fear or their request for love or respect. Now, don't take yourself too seriously. Learn to laugh at yourself, and with each other. Laughter is so influential on a marriage. So we have our challenges here. Be nice and forgive each other. We don't want to wait for them to ask. They don't have to deserve it. Listen, Jesus... Jesus doesn't forgive us because we deserve it, right? We don't deserve forgiveness, but He gives it to us anyway. And although we must ask to receive this forgiveness, Jesus has already done what it takes for us to be forgiven. He's already offered that uh, to us. How much more should we show our spouse that we forgive them even if they don't offer it or accept it, even if they don't deserve it. First Peter chapter 4, verse 8 says, Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers over a multitude of sins. When a wife is hurt by a husband's actions, she has a choice. She can make him pay via disrespect or she can offer grace by recognizing the blood of Jesus covered the offense that caused her hurt. When she offers grace and forgiveness, the husband's defensiveness is diffused and God is free to convict the husband of his unloving actions and lead him to repentance. And we definitely is more 
heart changing coming from God than it is from each other. And our second point is work together. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, says, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from His love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and one purpose. Partners. It was not good for man to be alone. This was, uh, this was what we read from Genesis earlier on. God realized that. And so he made woman to be with man. We are to cooperate, to work together. We have a common purpose. You know, have you ever heard the term holy matrimony? Maybe you haven't heard it since your wedding. Uh, but the idea of holy matrimony. Our marriages are supposed to reflect the sacrificial nature of the covenant relationship between Christ and the church. We should strive to glorify God in our marriages by becoming one through the intertwining of the Holy Spirit in us. Work together. One mind, one purpose, wholeheartedly, you and your spouse working to establish, to achieve the good life, the outreaching, the uh, loving and the respecting and the setting that example for others. And then point number three, remember who the enemy is. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Stop blaming each other. I wonder what difference it would have made in the garden if Adam uh, had taken responsibility for eating the fruit instead of blaming Eve. Imagine where our country might be if politicians would work more on finding solutions than pointing fingers? How about in our homes? Where would we be if we were busier finding solutions, working together, than fighting or pointing fingers or casting blame? Romans chapter 2, verse 1. You may think you can condemn such people, but you are just as bad and you have no excuse. When you say they are wicked, when you say they are wicked and should be punished, you are condemning yourself, for you who judge others do the very same things. Stop keeping score. Don't hold a grudge. Let it go and stop blaming each other. This is what we need to remember. Avoid the traps that cause agitation and frustration. You know these traps that I'm talking about. 
the toothpaste lid left off, the cup on the counter, the toilet seat, uh, the, the chewing the gum loudly during a conversation, leaving the gas tank on empty, or your shoes in front of the front door. Work together. And then we must remember who the enemy is, and we must resist him. First Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering that you are. Don't lose hope and give up. The devil is prowling and he's looking for the weak and the sick to pounce on and finish them off. And he often finds that in our marriages when we are battling each other instead of teaming up to fight the true enemy. Don't lose hope. Resist the temptation to isolate and withdraw from your spouse. And resist the temptation to withdraw from your support groups when you have struggles in your marriage. It's so easy for us to be attacked when we are separated from our partners and from the herd of believers. Resist the enemy. Remember who he is and resist him. Folks, we have to build our marriages. If we're going to be effective in all other parts of life and of our mission, build our marriage. That means use what works. The good old-fashioned love and respect the things that we know can make a difference. That means using a, a fire extinguisher to put out the fires, working together to combat that. That means using things like marital first aid kits to uh, be nice to each other, to heal each other, to patch each other up when things get difficult between us. If our marriages are done correctly, it will show the both joy and the struggle between Jesus and the church. And it's our high point of evangelizing to our community to show that relationship in a healthy way. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I pray for our marriages today. Lord, I ask that you would strengthen them and that you would build them to be strong, to be an example of your relationship with us. I ask that you would build them to be forgiving and loving and respectful. God, I ask that you would guide us into making the small steps that change our marriages from difficult and hard and unloving and unrespectful into solid solid relationships joined by you. Lord, I ask your forgiveness. I ask that you would give us the, the scripture that we need to work out your will. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.